0: Now today I'm going to answer these questions. The program is entitled The Last International Sign Before Armageddon. I'm going to answer these questions. What is Armageddon? When does it take place? I'm only going to deal with that briefly because I've got a lot to talk about. Where are we living in the stream of time? Can we have any idea? How can I receive the actual power of God in my life? How can my life become supercharged with a new power that will lift me out of the doldrums of my old self and make me into a new person? How can I receive freedom from guilt and fear and hate? I was tremendously impressed last night when Dr. Day said that the greatest killer in North America, the greatest killer in the world is anger. She said when she was grappling with cancer, she had to come to the place before she could be healed when she had to get a lot of anger out of her heart. And today we're going to talk about how a person, when we talk about the gospel, which is the good news, is going to tell us how you can get fear out of your life and how you can get hate out of your life and how you can get all of these negative emotions out of your soul and then later on today we're going to have a little aside and we're going to talk about some eschatological prophecies I say that word because I think it sounds good some of the great eschatological prophecies prophecies concerning the apocalypse are the last days we're going to have a look at some of those today I want you please if you have a Bible and we do this every Saturday morning if you've got a Bible here I want you to turn to some passages. There are Bibles, I believe, in the seats. I'm not sure, but if you've got one, that's fine. If you haven't, that's all right, too. I'm going to turn over here to Revelation chapter 16. That is the apocalypse. And I'm going to read you some passages out of this book of books. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12 and onwards. Are you ready to go? Revelation 16 verse 12 and onwards. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and his water was dried up to to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are the spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the the world, of the whole world, to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now what is this? business about Armageddon. What is this Armageddon business? Armageddon is a term that is used in the Bible to describe the climax of human affairs. Armageddon really means in the Hebrew I believe the mountain of slaughter and it's used in the book of Revelation in a symbolic text. Uh, In a symbolic way it points forward to the last great showdown in the world between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And the Bible says that as the great battle of Armageddon is going on, redemption comes. The Bible teaches, not once, but over and over and over again, the Bible teaches the doctrine of the return of Christ. The Bible teaches that Christ is going to come back to this planet. And the Bible says, when the battle of Armageddon is raging around the world, it will not be confined to one place. It will involve every person. It is the great battle for the souls of men and women. And the Bible says, as this battle is is consuming the world, Christ is going to come. The Bible says, behold, I come as a thief in the night. And then the Bible says, it's all over. Now, I want you to turn over here to another passage in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, those disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, you've talked about coming back. You've spoken about the new age. You've spoken about the end of the world. You've spoken about the setting up of the kingdom of God. This time when there's going to be no more wars, there's just going to be peace in the valley. There's going to be no more cancer. There are going to be no more hospitals. All those things are going to be finished. There's going to be no more death. And then they said to Jesus, what is going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? And then Jesus in Matthew 24, along with other prophets in the Bible, gave certain signs that would take place. And these signs would tell us somewhat, though not to define it to the day or the hour, because that's an absolute impossibility. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you signs. And when you see these signs, he said, you'll know that my coming is near, even at the doors. Now, for many years, I have specialized in archaeology and particularly in the prophecies of the Bible. I'll be quite honest with you and quite candid with you, I'm not interested in speculation, and I'm not interested in just theories, and I'm not interested in sensationalism. I do want to know the truth. I do want to know where I'm living. I do want to know what's expected of me. I want to be intelligently informed. And when you go to this book, this Bible, you read there many, many, many signs. Jesus said, I'm going to give you signs. And when you see these signs, you know that my coming is near, even at the very doors. I want you to notice some of these signs today. We're not going to notice all of them. But I want you to notice some of the signs that were placed in the Bible by the ancient prophets. In the book of Daniel, chapter 12, it says, in the last days... There will be an incredible explosion of knowledge. The Bible actually says this. It says this in the prophet Daniel. And this was written two and a half thousand years ago. The Bible says in the last days there would be a tremendous increase in knowledge. Have you ever wondered, my dear friends, watching this telecast today, why the world has gone along at the same pace for thousands and thousands of years? 200 years ago in America, we were no further advanced as far as technology is concerned as were the ancient Egyptians 5,000 years ago. And then all of a sudden, within the space of a few years, there is a tremendous increase in knowledge. Why is it so? Could it be that we are really living in the time of the apocalypse? This time which is described so graphically and so plainly by Bible writers. The Bible says, knowledge will be increased. And the Bible uses a very special term. The Bible says, in the time of the end. The Bible talks about the end of time but it also talks about the time of the end and the time of the end is a little period of time just before Jesus returns to save his people then Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 and verse 11 and he was referring to the last days Jesus said there will be earthquakes in various places Now you will say to me, but there have been always, always there have been earthquakes. And this is absolutely true. Earthquakes in themselves are not a sign. But Jesus said earthquakes would occur in such a way that they would get people's attention. And this would indicate indicate to me that earthquakes are going to occur on a greater frequency. And the Bible says, when you see all of these things, you know that his coming is near. In the same passage, Luke 21 and verse 11, Jesus said, there will be earthquakes and there will be famines and there will be pestilences. Jesus draws a certain picture on the canvas of prophecy and tells us what it's going to be like in the last days. And even though some of these things have happened all through history, there is going to come a time ladies and gentlemen when all of these things are going to be taking place and jesus said famines and pestilences this sign here is amazing jesus said the bible teaches that he will come again in power and great glory and raise the dead When mankind has got the awesome ability to destroy the earth, I'm going to show it to you. This is a remarkable prophecy, and this sign can only uh, be confined, I believe, to our days. Would you please come with me to Revelation chapter 11, to the book of Prophecy? The book of Revelation, the apocalypse as it is called. Revelation chapter 11 and 18 and 19 and here are the words. The nations were angry and your wrath has come and the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants the prophets and your saints and those who reverence your name both small and great and for destroying those who destroy the earth. I want you to think of those words. The Bible says that there's going to come a time in the history of planet earth when men will have the ability to destroy the earth. And verse 19 says, Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Now, I want you, please, just to think about this for a moment because I consider this to be somewhat an amazing prophecy. You can say, yes, we've always had earthquakes. This is true, but they seem, we seem to be getting more of them. We've always had famines and we've always had pestilences. But I would suggest to you today, never on the scale that we're having them in the world today. It doesn't matter whether you are religious. It doesn't matter whether you are a skeptic or an atheist. People are saying, this is a new age. This is a different type of of scenario. But the Bible says in Revelation 11, verse 18 and 19, I want you to think about this. The Bible says that Christ is going to come back and he's going to destroy those people who destroy the earth. Just think about this, the destroyers of the earth. This book that you've got there, many of you folks are holding in your hands today, a book that is thousands of years old. And when that prophecy was given, the best men and women could do was kill each other with bows and arrows and maybe spears. And then all of a sudden, within a few years, man has discovered the secrets of the atom. And man now has the ability to destroy the earth. One of the uh, most serious things that is happening today is that with the collapse of the Soviet Union, you have nuclear weapons in the hands of soldiers who are getting paid $20 a month. I know. I've been there. I've investigated it. Russia still has the ability to wipe out this planet some 20 times over. And today, those weapons are in the hands of a demoralized army, young men who are getting $20 a month, and they're they're hopeless, they're atheists, they've got no faith, and they say, what have we got to lose? And the Bible teaches, and that, my friend, is a sign of the times. Yes, you can explain that one away, that's all right. You can explain this one away, but I defy any person to explain this away. That the Bible says that Jesus will come again and he'll come in power and he'll destroy those who are destroying the earth. This is talking, I believe, about nuclear weapons and also biological weapons. And then if you turn to the prophet Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 5, the Bible says in the last days there will be a surge and a wave of violence that will sweep across the world and men will become more and more violent. And then Revelation chapter 16 and verses 13 and 14, it's an amazing prophecy. It talks about the rise of of the occult one night soon in these meetings that are going to go live across the world we're going to talk about the rebirth of the occult Today there are millions and millions of people who believe that they're having a special spiritual experience and they are actually in contact with the spirits of the dead. I'm going to talk about that one night, the birth of the occult. It is the largest growing religious movement in the world today, the birth. Of Spiritism, the rebirth of Spiritism as predicted in the Apocalypse chapter 16. And then, if you turn to Revelation chapter 13, and I'm going to start to deal with these tremendous topics tonight when I talk about the rise of the dreaded Antichrist, these are tremendous subjects. And once you understand these subjects, your life will never be the same again. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 13, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there will come a great power that will rule the world for three and a half years, the Antichrist. And in these meetings we are going to reveal the personal identity of the Antichrist. The Bible gives you certain signs. It gives you certain uh, great uh, pointers. The Bible gives great identification marks. It tells us where he rises. He rises in Europe. He overthrows three European kings. He changes the law of God. He persecutes. We're going to talk about that and we're going to start on that tonight. And you ought to be here and you ought to bring your children and you ought to bring your friends. The Bible says the rise of the Antichrist is a sign that Christ is going to come. And then the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 30 to 32, talks about signs in the sky. He said, I looked and behold... And he describes it. The moon is turned to blood. And then, as he watches in spellbound prophetic vision and fascination, he sees blood and fire and pillars, not pillows, but pillars of smoke appearing in the heavens in the last days. You can read it in the prophet Joel, written almost 3,000 years ago. And then the prophet Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 3 says that in the last days the nations will be talking peace while they're preparing for war. The Bible says there'll be heaps and heaps of peace talks that while the nations are getting ready for the last great battle while they're arming themselves to the teeth. And the Bible says there'll be petty little nations and they'll be getting strong and they'll be getting weapons. And the Bible says at the same time, they'll be talking peace and safety. You can read it in the Bible. But this one here, number 10, is the greatest of all signs. It is the greatest of all signs. I've seen it. I know it's happening. And today I've got a conviction. And if you've got a Bible, come with me, please, to Matthew chapter uh, 24 and verse 14. This chapter is called by scholars, The Little Apocalypse, because the themes are concerning the last days. Please turn to it. Matthew 24 and uh, verse 14, and these are the words of Jesus, the Messiah. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, And uh, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached In the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Repeat it with me. What does it say? And then what? And then the end will come. Say it loud. And then the end is going to come. This gospel is going to be preached in the whole wide world. And then the end is going to come. Jesus said it, my friend. Jesus said it. What an amazing prophecy. Who said it? A Jewish carpenter. Did he have a lot of influence? Oh, he had a little bit of influence. Were people against him? Well, the common people were for him, but the priests and the religious leaders, they were all against him. Was he uh, talking before a big television audience? No, he was talking to a bunch of fishermen and so forth. He was an obscure person in the most obscure country in the world, Palestine, 2,000 years ago. And he's talking, and and you're reading his words. And you say to me, I want evidence that he's the Messiah. That's the evidence. This man in an obscure place, just a carpenter, people said, hated by all the religious authorities, he said, what I'm telling you my gospel what is the gospel the gospel is what is it good news say it loud good news not bad news we're not talking bad news in these meetings to you folks we're talking hope and we're talking joy and that's why when you come into these meetings you're going to get happy in spite of yourselves You're going to get happy and you're going to get glad because this is a message of good news. And Jesus said this good news is going to be preached in all the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then Jesus said the words, then he said the end is going to come. The Bible talks about the end, don't forget it. And I have partially seen this prophecy fulfilled. I've gone to the Soviet Union. I went there when it was still the Soviet Union. I've gone back 17 times with Beverly. I've taken teams of people with me. We've gone to St. Petersburg and Moscow and Nizhny Novgorod and other places, and we have seen millions of people atheists, unbelievers, members of the KGB come into those meetings to listen to the preaching of the words of Christ. Do you want evidence? Do you want to believe? You want reason why you can believe in God? Do you want evidence why you can believe the gospel? My friend, this, this prophecy here is the greatest evidence. I'm telling you today, I have stood not very long ago On the very spot in Kiev where Khrushchev said, Within 25 years, the name of God and the name of Christ will be blotted from the world. I've stood on the place where he said, It's going to die here in Ukraine. It's going to die here in Russia. And then it's going to die in America. It's going to die in the world. He died, (laughs) it's gone. It's like Nietzsche, he wrote up on the blackboard, he wrote up the words, God is dead. Then he died and somebody came in and wrote up Nietzsche. He wrote up, God is dead, signed uh, Nietzsche. And he moved on and somebody came in and wrote under what he'd written, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. (laughs) Now I want you to know something, folks. I want you to know you can't keep it down. You can't get rid of it. You can't brush it aside. You can't say, I'm not going to even think about this. You can't because in you there's something that needs it. The great theologian St. Augustine said, Our souls were made for God, and they can't rest until they rest in Him. Your soul's made for God, your soul's made for God, your soul's made for God, your, for God, your soul is made for God, and you can hide it. And you can try to cover it up, and you can watch a lot of stuff on television so you don't have to think while you're doing it, and you can get so busy that you push it out of your mind, but you can't get away from it because there's something in there. Your soul was made for God, and you can never rest until you rest in Him. And around the world, I was in China just a few months ago, and right there in Beijing, the spirit of the God, God, who wrote the Bible, is preparing the Chinese people for the coming of the gospel. Already there are millions, tens, 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 maybe hundreds of millions of people in China who are meeting in secret in their homes. And some of them are hiring buildings. Did you know the Chinese government now is printing Bibles? Whatever happened to poor old Nazi Tang? What would he say? What would Matsi tongue say if he came alive today? What have they done to my communism? What have they done to my Leninism? Now, Matsi tongue has gone, Lenin's gone, Khrushchev's gone, Marx is gone, Stalin is gone, but Christ is still there. Christ is still there, and he will be there forever. You see? And one of the great signs, I've seen it. I've spoken to thousands of members of the KGB. I think I told you, some of you folks about this. Had General Vladimir come to my meetings. And uh, I didn't know. You see, uh, they sent a message around in my hotel. The KGB wants to see you. (laughs) They want to see me? Going to stretch me? Put things under my fingernails? Then they sent around after three days a limousine took me to speak to all the KGB. I spoke in the very center of the headquarters of the KGB, spoke to the generals, spoke to the colonels, and asked them then to turn to God and saw a thousand officers of the KGB turn to worship God. Can you believe it? And then when we offered, when we offered to give them Bibles, when we offered to give them Bibles, we got mobbed and almost got killed by the KGB trying to get Bibles. And a little while ago, they were killing people. They were killing people. We had a baptism in Nizhny Novgorod, the largest baptism in uh, a thousand years of Russian history. Three years before I got there, the police had come down to the building that was used by the Christians and beaten them up. Those same police gave me an escort and escorted all these russian people down to the volga river where they got baptized in the name of christ by the, and the police and you know who who took charge of that baptism in russia when i was there the russian army the russian army they gave me a big truck they gave me to get up on the truck they they got a big box that held ammunition and they helped me up on the truck. They set up the PA system, and the Russian soldiers stood around and helped the people to get changed into baptismal robes. They set up tents. Tell, if I were to tell you this ten years ago, twenty years ago, you'd say he's been out in the Australian sun too long. <laughs> Listen, it is happening. And when you put it all together, knowledge, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, destruction of the earth, violence, the occult, the rise of the Antichrist tonight, don't miss it, don't miss it. Signs in the sky, peace and safety talks, the gospel to all the world. Then you come to the conviction. You get a conviction like Dr. Day had. But I've got a conviction along another line. I believe that redemption is drawing nigh and a tremendous event is about to happen right here in the world. That's why we're running these meetings. I believe that Christ is going to come again someday. And I believe it is someday soon. And that's why we are happy. That's why we... We sing, that's why we clap our hands because we've got something to be glad about because when Christ comes back there's going to be a resurrection and we're going to see our loved ones again. Isn't that good news? It means that if if you're sick you're going to get a brand new body. If you've got some chronic disease it's going to be over And you're going to be new in this, and it's never going to end. It's going to be a beautiful new world. I tell you, we've got good news. We've got great news, and we want to share it with the world. And we want you to get this good news into your soul today. Now, before Christ returns in power and great glory, he sends to this world a message. Listen carefully, because this is what I'm supposed to be talking about today. He sends to this world a great message symbolized by three angels flying in the midst of heaven and that great message that goes to the world is the last international sign before Armageddon it is the last international sign before Christ comes it is the greatest of all the signs because it's tied up with number 10 please come with me to Revelation 14 please Are you folks having a good time today Mhm. Revelation chapter 14. And every person here, you ought to have the excitement of being part of the great live telecast every night. You ought to be here because this is where the action is. Revelation 14 verse 14 I looked and there before me was a white cloud and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man. That my friend is the coming of Christ. That is the harvest. That is the separation time. That is judgment day. But before Christ comes again Revelation 14 verse 6 and onwards and notice it and I'm going to read it to you out of the New International Version Then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation tribe language and people just a moment the book of revelation is a book of symbols this is very very important the book of revelation is what it's a book of symbols And when it talks about an angel, it's referring to a great messenger. The messengers that are flying in the midst of heaven, these three angels, are symbolic of a great spiritual movement that arises in the last days to get people ready for the second coming and the harvest Are the end of the world and having said that I want you to notice this message which is the biggest thing in the world today it is the biggest thing in the world today revelation 14 verse 6 again dear hearts and gentle people revelation 14 verse 6 then I saw another angel flying in midair And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury. Verse 12 says, This calls for peace patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus listen carefully let me set it up I just want to make it plain I just want to make it clear the Bible teaches that before the second coming which is the same as the harvest which takes place around this time here Armageddon is taking place when Jesus returns the Bible says That a great international message goes to the world. That great international message constitutes the last great warning before everything comes to an end. It is that great message that gets people ready for the coming of Christ, that gets them in the right spiritual condition so they can be part of God's wonderful world of tomorrow. Now, I'm just going to give you a baby exegesis now Of this message and then as I go along during the uh, series I'm going to give a lot more about this message the first part of that message as you noticed is the everlasting gospel as you know by now it is a message not of doom and gloom it is a message of good news let me tell you basically what the good news is let me give it to you. Just, just sort of wrap it up and give it to you. The good news is this, that there's a God who loves you. That's good news. You know, we've been talking about the creator, how big he is, what a big person he is, how strong he is. Just imagine he didn't like you. <laughs> well, you just imagine if the creator of the universe was not friendly, but he was real mad at you. But the Bible teaches that there is a God with infinite power that, that did all this big bang stuff that made the whole cosmos. You know, remember the talk we had on Wednesday night and the word was? Say it loud. What was the word on Wednesday night? Loud, loud. Wow. wow. Why was it a wow talk? Because we talked about the vastness of the universe. What a big God he is. How immense he is. How mighty he is. And the Bible says how good he is. And he made us. I am not a accident. I am not the product of time plus matter plus chance. I am not simply a part of a planetary eczema. And perhaps potential fertilizer. No, I'm not just that. I did not just happen by chance. I was made by the hand of Almighty God. So are you. You know where you came from? Want to know where you came from? You came. You came from God. And if you came from God, then as one philosopher said, Man is distinct and glorious. Don't put down any other person. It doesn't matter where he comes from, his nationality. Don't put him down because God made him and he's tremendously important. He is a child of God. And the good news goes on to tell us, and I quoted the text in the prayer, for God so loved the world... That he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Would you like to know what God's like? He's a father. He's a father who loves you. He's a father who thinks about you. He's a father who cares for you. Every day he's looking out for you. Jesus said the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I notice with some of you that wouldn't be so hard now. But Jesus said the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And I know your heartaches. And I know what your children are doing. You don't know what they're doing on Saturday night. But I know. And he says I love you. And when we got ourselves into this stinking mess through our own stupidity, and when we allowed the virus of sin to come in and shatter our souls, He didn't say, "I'm going to blot him out of existence." He said, "I'm going to give my Son a part." of the Godhead, and the Son came down here and lived among us, and the Son died on the cross for our sins. You say, I don't understand it. Who cares whether you understand it or not? I don't understand it either. Do you understand electricity? Do you understand E equals MC squared? Do you understand that? Do you believe it? Yeah, most of you believe it. You believe in electricity, you use it. How many people here understand television? A lot of things I don't understand, but there's a lot of things I do understand because I know they work. I don't understand how a jet plane works, but I've flown millions of miles in jet planes. I know that they're going to get me there, at least I hope. But listen, there are some things a lot more certain than jet planes. And that is the fact that there's a God and he cares for people and he loves people. And when Jesus came to this earth, he was so kind. He was so good. The Pharisees once got a woman and dragged him into his presence. They said, Lord, we caught her in the very act of adultery. They wanted to stone her, but Jesus redeemed her. He said, the person who's got no sin, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. Then he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? No, Lord, I don't condemn you either. Just don't go and sin anymore. This is what this God is like. The message of the gospel is that there's a God in heaven. He's looking out for you and he loves you and he cares for you. And he's got a home for you in heaven. And he seems to think sometimes that you and I are just too busy to listen to him. But he's looking out for us all the time. The good news is that... God loves you and the Bible says worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of water this tells me the good news of origins I've studied this for years the doctrine of origins did you know today there's a tremendous movement in the scientific world back to the doctrine of God did you know this There's a tremendous movement today among scientists because of the tremendous complexity of the universe. You know, we talked about this quadrillion thing the other night. If the universe, if gravity had been out by one quadrillionth of one percent, there would never have been a universe. The stars would have burned up in 12 months. Here is evidence that there is a creator God, and the Bible says if there's a creator God then you're special. You're special. I know all about you. I care for you. I love you. I want to tell you, my friend, when you are, when you walk out of this meeting today, you ought to be so glad, and you ought to be a different person. Then the Bible says there's a judgment day. Mankind has a case pending at the judgment bar of God. You can fool the L.A. attorneys, but I want to tell you folks something. You can't fool God because he knows everything about you and everything about me. And then the Bible gives a warning against mystic Babylon, which is a vast confederacy of evil, religious evil in the last days. And it talks about the beast and the image and the marker, the beast, the triple apostasy. This is all tied up with the Antichrist. And in these meetings, I'm going to talk about these things. These subjects have got so much power. And when you come to understand these subjects, and I will give you evidence and proof, you will stand in awe, and you will say, why didn't I know these things before? And when this great message is preached right around the world, and it's happening today, when this has been done, the Bible says Jesus is going to come in power and great glory, and he's going to take his people home. Does that sound good to you? I want to tell you a story. I mentioned the other night that our great need is to get in touch with the great creator of the universe. The Bible tells the story of a woman who had a bleeding cancer, a bit like Dr. Day. She had this bleeding cancer. She had it for 12 years, and then she heard that Jesus was coming to her town. And when Jesus came to her town, she thought, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. But it was so hard to get to him, the Bible says, because of the press. (laughs) It didn't mean CNN. It meant the press of people, so many people. They were all around him. But as Jesus went by, the Bible says, she reached out a trembling finger of faith, And she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus immediately stopped and turned around and asked the question, who touched me? And the disciples, master of logic, said, master, there's heaps of people here today and they're all touching you. Jesus said, but someone has touched me. You know why? God can tell the difference between the touch of faith and the idle touch. He said, I know someone has touched me because power has gone out from me. And when she saw that she could not be hid, she came and fell down at his feet and frankly confessed that she had touched him. And he said to her, Because when she touched him, she was immediately healed of her disease. He put his hand on her and said, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. You can touch God today. Your trembling finger can reach him and touch him as he passes. I say to you today, reach out your faith. Go ahead, touch him. He won't turn and say, who touched me? Because he'll know. I want to lead you now in a very sacred, special experience. I want you firstly with me to kneel, and then I'm going to show you how you can touch him today. Now, as you get down on your knees, I want you to think these thoughts. There is a God, and he loves me, he's real, and I'm not alone, and the universe is friendly. I may feel as though I'm not very important today, but I am because God made me. And now I want to touch the God who made me and I want to hear him say, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. You don't need a lot of faith. You simply need to decide today, I'm going to believe in this God and I'm going to trust in this God And I'm going to reach out a hand, and as I lift up my hand, it's going to be symbolic of my faith that is reaching out for God. And whether you feel a dramatic change or not doesn't matter at all because my salvation doesn't depend upon a surge of adrenaline. It depends upon knowing that he has heard me and touched me. Those today who would like to reach out faith... Would you lift up your hands, and your hands will symbolize your faith? Like Dr. Day, reaching out to God, and that uplifted hand, there's no virtue in that at all, except that this hand uplifted, my hand uplifted, is my saying, yes, 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 I believe. Keep your hands up, please, and I'm going to pray for you. Oh, my Father take these uplifted hands and these uplifted hearts and bless these dear, sweet, precious people. Today we're raising our hands because our faith is reaching out to you. And we believe that you're here today by your spirit, truly here, and that you know all about us our sins, our mistakes, our stumblings, our, everything about us. God, forgive our sins, please, today. Take away our fears. Take away our hates. Take away our anger. And touch us today and give us your peace and your love and your forgiveness, your acceptance and life, everlasting life. And a wonderful joy today. We thank you that you've heard us. We thank you that you've touched us as we have touched you. We believe it is true because you promised it. And we trust in you today and thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.